Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, and welcome to On Brand with Alf and me, Rory Sutherland. Each month, I'll be talking to household names as well as challenger brands about success, challenges, and future opportunities in the advertising, marketing, and media industries. And today, I'm joined by one of those very challengers, and it's in the shape of Nicola Hamilton, Senior Director of Brand and Communications at GoCardless. Uh, launched in 2011, GoCardless is a fintech on a mission to help businesses collect payments quickly, easily, and securely. Recently, the payments firm announced it's raised £230 million, giving it a valuation of £1.55 billion, uh, which is comfortably within the realms of unicorn status. Uh, as Gilcardless advances its product and geographical expansion plans, I think this is a perfect moment to welcome Nicola to the podcast. So I understand you've been in fintech for about 11 years, specifically fintech marketing. Is that right? Uh, where were you before that? Um, so I was at a company called Finastra previously, which was um, definitely fintech, a bigger organization, but dealing more with banks. But for my sins, Rory, I have been in B2B marketing for a number of decades and um, specifically fintech, I think, gosh, um, oh, it is well over 15 years. So quite a long time. Well, fantastic. And what, what attracted you to go cardless when you uh, uh, first discovered it? Because you've been there more or less from the from the offset, have you? No, no. So I joined not not quite. So Go Cardless was founded, as you said, was founded in 2011, and I joined in 2019. So I've been there about three and a half years. And the reason why I found it interesting was one because it's a UK fintech. Obviously, when you look at a lot of um, technology companies, they are. US companies. I've, I've worked for a lot of um, US-based companies previously. So the fact that it was UK and also for me particularly um, how much it helps smaller businesses was really something that was attractive. Having worked in a number of companies that were very much focused on the banking side and where the banks were the clients, seeing that more um, 
correlation, immediately seeing the benefits of, of helping smaller businesses. We're not just small business focused. We work with companies um, from very small businesses all the way up to kind of multinational, much, much larger companies. But it was that aspect that particularly attracted me to the company. So particularly, it gives a chance to sort of level the playing field between small businesses and large businesses in being exactly. able to take, first of all, non not necessarily credit card payments, hence cardless, a I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. As it says in the name, um, you'd be amazed how much confusion um, sometimes people do still think that we do card payments. And it's like, no, it really clearly is what it says on the tin. It's go cardless. Um, so yes, it's looking at those different and quite frankly, better ways for businesses to get paid. So, I mean, in a sense, it was always a bit of a tragedy that the internet didn't come with its own micropayments or small payments um, uh, mechanism from the beginning. And so the credit card, which was never really designed for that purpose, I think it's fair to say, or it was never designed in anticipation of that kind of use, has been a kind of, if you'd like, uh, a sort of default fallback option for anybody wishing to make money over the web. And your argument is that direct bank payments, both for one-off and recurring payments, and equally important top-up payments, if that's right. Yes. Um, uh, this is a much more economical, secure, and efficient way to do it. Precisely. And it's um, when you look at so it's not just card payments, but I think, um, and, and probably if I go back to where GoCardless started from, so really for mm. the first decade... Go Cardless has been focused on those recurring payments, so um, subscriptions, instalments, regular invoices, and looking at a better way that that companies can get paid for those. Um, and direct debit was really the solution that w it was a perfect yes. solution. It's been it's been around for a very long time, but even you know even when Go Cardless was set up, it wasn't really accessible to smaller businesses it was so if you think about it you know myself and i'm sure many other people for years have you've paid your yeah. utility bills using direct debit but it wasn't something back then that was easily available to other businesses and you can understand that because i suppose banks would have been uncomfortable giving too wide a range of institutions the facility just to request and receive money from other accounts Presumably. And also the, the and also the fact of just the volume of payments. So you know when you look at the big utility companies, they've got a huge volume of payments. So that makes sense for a bank to kind of to to offer that. And that's one of the things that Go Cardless did was really look at that and say we've got this fantastic payment rail. It's proven. It's reliable. Let's bring it online because if you remember, also it used to be when you were setting up a direct debit, you'd have lots of paper forms that you had to fill in to kind of get your mandate in place. That's right. So it's about digitizing that, bringing that whole process online, opening up, making it accessible for many, you know, just a, a, a much larger range of companies to be able to use that. And I think part of it is the fact that, um, and exactly as you said, you know, traditional payment methods, it cards, they've been around for five, six, seven decades now. But they weren't, you know, they were designed for a different kind of world of making payments and not really online. And what people have done is just taken what they're used to. It shifted online, but there's still lots of issues, you know, not just the high card fees that people are paying yeah. uh, to make those transactions, but just being a, you know, 
everything involved in late payments, for example, which is an endemic problem for lots of smaller businesses, but for, for large businesses as well. Uh. So being able to pull those payments directly from a bank account so you don't have to chase them up is a huge kind of time and cost saving for businesses as well. Yeah, so if someone misses a payment for whatever reason, effectively catching up on the missed payment within that framework is just really, really difficult, is it? For a smaller business. Exactly. For a smaller business, it is. And they spend, you know, founders of businesses, business owners spend a disproportionate amount of time calling customers, chasing customers, tracking down late payments. Whereas when it's set up to be automatically pulled and they can just pull that from um, a customer's bank account, it's so much easier. That cha- It's all automated. And I think that's the key that the process is all automated. Um, and then if a payment fails for whatever reason, then we have um, new products that we've done because our premise is all to be better than direct yes. debit. And, and now we're moving beyond direct debit with other types of payments as well. But just to be able to make that process a whole lot smoother for businesses. So, you know, for lots of businesses, payments fail for whatever reason. Maybe a card has expired a customer hasn't updated the uh, the details in their account and it's really and and then they have to go into a process of do they spend the time effort and money chasing those failed payments which sometimes can cost them more than the value so of, of course the payment it can happen itself with, it can, or do they start to it write can happen it? with credit cards simply because the card expires because you you know exactly. from the consumer viewpoint you have that very annoying thing if you have a card that's nearing expiration that you then end up getting sort of you know 12 emails from various people demanding that you update your details, which is, uh, you know, a whole heap of bureaucracy you could do without, certainly. It's also, I think, presumably here, you'll get an email or some other form of notification every time a payment goes out. Is that right? That's correct. So, for example, I have a couple of payments that I make through GoCardless. One is my pet insurance. And before that goes out, I get an email notification that lets them know that that payment is due to go out of my bank account. Because I think there's something fundamentally unethical and actually problematic in both directions, the business and the consumer, both about direct debit and recurring credit card payments, which is, in the case of recurring card credit card payments, finding out how to cancel them. You can cancel, typically you can cancel a direct debit on your online bank. The downside of the direct debit is that you aren't really notified of the payments in any other form other than going onto your credit card statement or whatever and checking the amount. You can at least cancel it. I acknowledge I, I okay. that one benefit. And that's obviously the direct debit guarantee that you can cancel it at any time you want. But then the, the, the credit card payment, in theory, in theory, you can cancel it any time you like, but there's an awful lot of sludge. Now, what worries me about this is that there are a lot of businesses which are being created around the idea of subscription but if there's no transparency or real consumer control around subscription, I think consumers are going to reach a subscription ceiling where they basically just see anything that involves a recurring payment and go, nope, I've got enough of these. I'm fundamentally losing control of my finances because you know every time I get paid, half my salary then disappears in various recurring <laughs> payments. Uh, I'm no longer happy with this loss of control or you know, the number of times I've probably ended up subscribing to something on a credit card for, you know, 
five years longer than I needed it simply because I had no idea what the notional pay on the credit card payment meant. And I wasn't sure if, you know, if I if I were to cancel it, which would be almost impossible, by the way, because you can't cancel a recurring payment through your credit card company, I think, if I'm right. You have to go to the original. Yes, I believe you would have to go to the person that you set up the subscription with. And they're not going to make it easy. And, you know, in fairness to direct debit, you can actually just say to your bank, no longer, end of it. Okay, I don't know what this is, cancel it, which sometimes means it's your motor insurance, by the way. I mean, the whole process is kind of terrifying. And both of those alternatives are highly unsatisfactory. And my worry is that perfectly worthwhile businesses, which are hoping to promote the subscription model in some shape or form, simply won't get off the ground because of consumer reluctance. And what you have is something which actually solves both those problems. It's both transparent about the payments you're making and it makes it presumably very easy to cancel yes as as you said if you're doing it through if you're doing those payments through direct debit then in the uk you have the direct debit guarantee and that makes it easy for you to uh, to be able to cancel those payments um and and have that transparency which is as you say is the main thing because then you can see that in your bank account in terms of those payments that are going yes. out on a regular basis and kind of keep an keep an eye on them, which is uh, which is beneficial. Yeah, because I think one of the things I worry about, both with e-tail and with um, uh, and with any model which involves subscription, which of course is quite a lot of, I mean, an awful lot of media models depend on subscription, is whether at the at the level of the individual consumer, there's a mental ceiling of how many of these things I'm prepared to have. In the same way with e-tail, you know, there's a limit to how many deliveries you can cope with per week before you turn into a kind of unpaid Mm -hmm. logistics officer. (laughs) And with payments, you know, there's a limit to the number of recurring payments you can mentally cope with before you feel that actually it's kind of open season on your current account. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's something that, I mean, by the way, the low friction question is also fantastic because I noticed on your website that, you know, any time you send an invoice, there's a button which effectively says, pay it now. Yes, yes. You know, now, the number of times I've received emails saying, you owe us money for this, and it's five minutes work. Or, of course, what might happen with smaller businesses is they revert to paper communications. And to be honest, Kenneth, I have no idea where my checkbook is. Okay, so that, you know, that's almost got to the point where actually demanding someone pays you by check uh, is pretty much dead in the water. Exactly. If I look at my checkbook, I mean, I'm not sure when the date of the last check that I wrote is. It's in in my drawer next no. to me, but it's probably quite a few quite a few years ago. But yes, our um, obviously we have a lot of end consumers who pay via go cardless. Our customers are businesses um, who decide to collect their payments yeah. through go cardless. But exactly that point that you said through those invoices, and particularly. Um, again, direct debit is very useful for those regular invoices. So if you are a business with a supplier who you are regularly sending invoices to, you can set them up so that those invoices are paid yes. through direct debit or through open banking, which is now making all sorts of um, payment by bank a lot easier. You can add a pay link so that you can literally just click it and pay take that payment directly out of your bank account so it's all about using your bank account as the payment method as opposed to a card or a check or some something else 
There are a few behavioural obstacles I can see you have to overcome, one of which is that people sometimes like having a credit card as a buffer between the outside world and their current account. Um, you see what I mean? Which, yes. in, in, in other words, it's kind of, you know, I can understand that, that, you know, the, the terror would be, you know, there, there's a limit to how much someone can charge your, your credit card, um, whereas potentially in your current account, the amount that fraud could cost you is more or less limitless. And the other one is just simple things like, do people memorize their bank accounts? Uh, whereas is there autofill for your current account in the same way there is for credit cards when you pay online? Are those obstacles you've you've encountered? or Not, not in the way that we are set up, because I guess when we're not the same as a credit card in terms of that kind of point of sale transaction, so it's definitely Got all it. online. When you are using direct debit to set up that um, that payment, um, you do it as a one-off and then it becomes that recurring kind of connection. Um, and then the other ways that you do it using open banking is if you, and this could be whether you're scanning a QR code or the link, just you just literally get linked directly to your bank account. You don't have to fill in your details because it's all done online through open banking so you're literally being connected directly to your bank account which you authorize ah, say using your fingerprint course. or facial recognition that sort of thing so that level of security is there because you're verifying who you are in terms of um saying that you own that bank account because you have those layers of security that are connecting you connecting you to it I see. So I, I missed this. It's a real-world solution as much as it's an online solution, in fact, is it? It's not something where you would go into a shop, for example, and make a payment no. using GoCardless. Yeah, we're not set up. We're not uh, that kind of point-of-sale transaction. But if you were um, looking for, you know, looking to uh, pay for something online and the business was offering GoCardless as a payment solution, you ha would have that option there to pay via GoCardless. Um, and that could be a pay link, as I say, that then can connect you to your to your bank account. But it, it is very much, um, it tends to be, at the moment, very much more for those recurring transactions. And the place where we would see predominantly um, those more one-off transactions is where you have that link in an invoice, for example, or yes. where you already have, I think a good example of this is say if you have a gym membership, say you have a gym membership, yeah. you sign up, you're paying for that on a recurring basis. So you have the direct debit, but you want to pay for a personal trainer. Um, what you can do is you can use that. That's for those top up payments. So they can um, say you can then use that as a, an instant um authorization for that transaction and it goes through um so then using all of your details already but it's just um a, it's kind of something that you're adding on to your already agreed monthly transaction i mean that would apply to i mean pension payments it's always struck me as utterly insane that whenever my pension company communicates to me they never give me an opportunity to top up my pension it's mm. struck me as well like one of the one of the most bizarro kind of um uh, failures to uh, you know uh, to encourage people to save more, and I've, I've never made sense of it entirely because you know I, I you know I've asked large audiences of people what, why you know uh, would it, if you had a windfall of X thousand pounds would any of you think of putting some of it in your pension? 
and most of them go, never occurred to me, mm. um, which is kind of weird because for many people, it would be by far the most tax-efficient, sensible thing to do. I mean, it is worth noting that an awful lot of um, what you might call credit chasing is not really down to the person being unable or unwilling to pay, but down to the simple fact that the act of payments is just too damn difficult. Oh, yes. So I think I think what you're probably referring to is that kind of payment success. So in terms of kind of over 95% of payments going through the first time, and a lot of this comes down to the fact that, as, as we said before, um, credit card details can expire, which is why sometimes, you know, if you have that recurring payment going through, but it's on a card, then what can happen is if that expires, then obviously that payment fails and, and that payment is missed. Whereas your bank account details, but let's face it, very few of us change our bank account over our lifetime. We may have a couple of bank accounts no. these days, um, but those bank account details don't expire. So there's a lot more success rate. The times when they do expire is if um, you don't have the funds in your bank account for when that transaction is due to go out. And we have um, a tool now that, w that is called Success Plus, but which helps chase up those failed payments um, so that you can take them out of the bank and you can retry that payment basically when it is more likely that there are going to be funds in the account. Ah, interesting. So it's a sort of snooze button for a payment effectively. Almost. And what, what happens um, or, or what's traditionally happened with the direct debit payment, for example, is that the merchant would just retry that payment. There are fees for retrying those payments, which can be quite high. And if it's if you if the payment fails and you just retry it, the chances are that the funds still aren't going to be in the bank account. So you'll get another payment failure that comes through. But because we have literally we have thirty billion dollars worth of transactions flowing through GoCardless on an annual basis. So we're using machine learning to indicate the best time to take out payments. Um, if you're going to retry a payment, when the when the best time to do that will be. And what we're finding is we're getting a 70% success rate on those fell payments of the retries, which again is an added benefit of GoCardless to say, we can help you with those payments that do fail. We can help you make sure that you are getting a higher success rate on all of your payments. So as I say, it's, it's using those proven payment rails that, that have been in place but just making them better and improving them using innovation and technology so that we're just helping businesses collect more of their money um, on time and that they're having visibility over that and when it's coming in. So even with a small business, you kind of nudge them to say, don't try taking payment again tomorrow. Do it in X day's time. Yeah. So if they're using that feature it advises them when to do it and means that those payments are coming through. And again, it means that either, you know, they're recovering those payments, they're not having to chase them because it's all done automatically. So it's taking that stress away from them. And it means that they're not writing down a whole bunch of failed payments as bad debt, which is what a lot of businesses would have done previously because the time they would have had to invest to chase up those payments just would have been too much for them so it's almost that, that cost of doing of it course. was seen as a cost of doing business and what we're saying is it shouldn't be a cost of doing business because there are ways and means of making sure 
that you can collect those payments and collect them successfully. And you might expect a large utility to discover that, but there's no way you'd expect a small business independently to discover that kind of lesson. Exactly. But it's really, really important, I can see. Because, yes, it is, when you think about it, I mean, if if there are two failed payments two weeks or three weeks apart, it's much more indicative of a problem than if there are two failed payments a day apart. Exactly. Uh, you know, this is, this is absolutely fascinating. I mean, presumably there's some degree of B2C marketing involved, or at least advice over how your uh, immediate customers deploy this. Yes, so so when you look at the market kind of marketing that we do as um, and that I'm involved in is go cardless, it's predominantly B two B because our customers are mm. businesses. Um, our businesses but, but, yeah. but you're right in the fact that we are a B two B to C company because the end customers, our customers' customers, are people who are paying using GoCardless and, you know, a large majority of those are end consumers. Um, in fact, the, for the first time, we, we mentioned earlier how long I have been in the, um, in the fintech and the B2B space. Uh, for the very first time when I was joining GoCardless, I had friends who actually knew who the company was because they used GoCardless to pay for things. Um, that, that's probably a first time in my career because normally nobody has a clue who I work for. Um, but so there is that very much that awareness at the consumer level because people are used to uh, paying it. It's quite visible um, in terms of the system and lots of people absolutely loved it um, in terms of, you know, before I joined, they were singing the company's praises because it made it so much easier for them to pay thing, for things like children's gymnastics club membership or swim club membership, those sorts of things. So at that level, there really is that kind of consumer awareness of Go Cardless. But that being said, our focus in terms of our marketing strategy is we are very focused on targeting businesses to tell them about the benefits of paying via Go Cardless, um, how they can save time and money, uh, retain customers, etc., by looking at a different payment method. So we are very much targeting businesses and getting them onto the platform to sign up and then activate and start processing payments through us. And that presumably that's the sort of CFO and chief operations officer at the one hand. And on the other hand, it's actually coders and software engineers who have presumably pretty strong recommendation power, I would guess. Exactly. So we've got a very broad audience. So we serve from micro businesses, which could be, you know, we have a fantastic window cleaner. I think you can find him on YouTube who only accepts go cardless, uh, pay, you know, payments um, and sings our praises. So we have very small businesses who use us all the way up to larger kind of corporate um, businesses. And in the larger businesses, you're right, it's the head of payments, head of billing, potentially the chief product officer, um, who are looking at how they can integrate Go Cardless into their payments infrastructure because they may be accepting a number of different types of payments. And I think one of the advantages that we have is we have lots of partnerships as well in terms of integrating with the systems that uh, businesses already use. So companies can... Oh, so accounting software and... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. billing and revenue software, accounting software, or even specific partnerships in industry sectors. So again, in the health and well-being sector, there are um, 
companies that we partner with who provide all sorts of software for for gyms, for example, um, and we integrate with them so that they can offer GoCardless as a payment option. So that partner ecosystem is hugely important because for any business, it's about what's the simplest way for them to be able to use us so they can use us through that partner integration or they can use us directly on our dashboard and platform. Ah, got it. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, this is actually, I agree with you. I can see your motivation because this is um, hugely important for in actually uh, not just facilitating, you're actually enabling forms of commerce that previously would find it either difficult to function or couldn't exist. Exactly, and I think... A window, cl- a window cleaner makes perfect sense because it's usually a recurring payment, for yes. example. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just, just those businesses who... Um, we did a campaign about 12 or 18 months ago, which which we called Awkward Conversations because one of the things is, you know, people don't like having to have those conversations about money with their customers. So if no. you're chasing, if you're chasing customers for money, um, you need to ask people for money. It's a really awkward conversation. And by enabling people, automating those payments, enabling people to pay in this way, it means that you can, you know, you don't have to spend so much time having those awkward conversations. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Top two challenges brought to you by Alf Insight. Alf Insight helps media owners, agencies, and marketing service providers improve their new business pipelines by equipping them with in-depth insights, accurate information, and daily news updates on the leading and challenger brands in the UK. Alf now also helps sports clubs, venues, and charities with new partnership deals. Alf Insight identifies the brands to target at the right time, providing everything you need to tailor the perfect pitch. Visit Alfinsight, that's ALFinsight.com, or click the link in the episode description to find out more. We, we have the two challenges, which mm. is a recurring feature of the program. The first question is, what would you say is the biggest challenge for Go Cardless? What's the kind of the hurdle you most need to overcome or the constraint that you would most like released in order to grow at a, a greater rate? Um, so I was having a think about this one because fortunately you didn't spring this on me as a surprise, these two challenges. No, so, no. I, so I have had to think about it. I think the biggest one for Go Cardless is inertia. Um, because when, you know, we've talked about the proposition that we have for businesses, we have this amazing proposition of faster, cheaper, more secure payments that help business businesses save money, save time, retain customers. Um 
And I think that the challenge is that, as I mentioned before, lots of businesses don't think that they have a problem with payments because they are used to a certain way of doing things. So they're yes. used to having to chase late payments. They are used to paying extortionate card fees. They're used to writing off failed payments as bad debt. It's seen as a part of doing business rather than something that they don't have to put up with. So I think it's that inertia, which is probably the biggest challenge in getting companies to recognize that they do have a problem with payments and that mm. there is a better way of taking them. Um, so if I, I can give you an example of some of the the savings, for example, um, I've chosen this example because it's I love the name of the company. It's a an independent coffee roaster based in London. They're called Perky Blenders, which I just love the name. Oh, yes, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yes, yeah, great, fantastic coffee. So they've got four coffee shops. They have an online subscription business and a wholesale business. And by using GoCardless, they've saved £20,000 in admin costs by automating their payment collection. Over the two founders, they're saving two days a month in time of... Ah. So that so when you think of that, so Perky Blenders is a you know is a small business, that that's just huge. So if you think of that potential that we have to save businesses of all sizes, you know, time, money, etc., it's it's that inertia, and and that's part a big part of my job is to is to beat that drum and drive that awareness about what we can deliver. The second challenge, by the way. Um, uh, is effectively what do you see as the pressing challenges for the fintech industry as a whole? Um, um, what are the uh, what are the headwinds, if you like? So I think at the moment it's it really is that macroeconomic environment and the impact that that is having on funding ah. costs and growth. Um, so it, it's interesting. I was you know maybe even if you look twelve months ago. There were funding announcements coming out pretty much every week about yeah. company, you know, companies who just got their their latest round of funding, etc. That funding is not going to be as easy to come by. Um, and when you look at where the, you know, and not not just fintech, but all of the the kind of the startup and the tech industry, it's it's been fueled by growth. That's what investors have been looking for. So they've been able to raise the funding on the back of their growth potential. We've been looking at that high growth from companies. Um, but now that we're in a very different macroeconomic environment, it means that companies need to start prioritizing profitability over growth because um, the runway that they've got in terms of funding is going to run out at ah. some point and that funding of is course. not necessarily going to be as readily available and I think, you know, we can see that in action with all of the layoffs that we've been seeing um, in the fintech and, and, and the tech industry. So you could, th there's been this complete shift from kind of super high growth into now looking at profitability. It's a big um, shift in mindset for companies to, to make that shift. It's going to be painful in some ways. They've got to look at different ways of doing business. Um and when you look at a lot of these organizations, it's, you know, many of the people who founded these companies have only experienced those kind of boom times. So the situation that we're in now with high interest rates, high inflation, um, it, it's a very different macroeconomic environment. So I think that's 
that is a current really pressing challenge for the fintech industry. Um, I think that we need continued government support for that. Um, you know, when you look at the UK, London in particular, it's been a really attractive hub for fintech in particular. There are it's meant that we've got this really vibrant um, fintech industry. Oh, it's fantastic, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is fantastic. It's attracted the talent that we need to grow and innovate. There's a lot of fintechs that who, that, that are going through that journey together, that are leaning on each other, that are learning from each other and collaborating together using each other's services. Um, but to keep that that real ecosystem developing, you need that infrastructure, you need the regulation, you need the government support and i know something um that we we signed as go cardless a letter recently kind of really urging um the renewal of the enterprise investment schemes and the venture capital trusts that have been really essential to that system and um jeremy hunt back in november said that he was going to look at renewing those but but nothing's happened there's uncertainty around it oh. and that uncertainty is going to also impact the ability to fundraise. You know, if, if you don't know what the tax system is going to be, what sort of incentives you have in place, it's going to make that ability to fundraise even more difficult. So I think there's a combination of factors which I would kind of package as the macroeconomic environment, which I, I think are going to cause those challenges. I mean, you have one great advantage, I imagine, which is that all businesses are too slow to innovate in payment. I mean, you know, fast food restaurants were ludicrously slow in accepting credit cards, um, for instance, just as they were very slow in installing, I think, uh, you know, screens for ordering. I think you have one great strength, which is that once people sign up with you, they're going to stay. We are very sticky. In other words, yeah. it, very, very sticky indeed. Yeah, uh, I can see that. So, you know, uh, I, I think one of the things that investors don't distinguish enough for partly just because stickiness is a bit harder and slower to measure than growth okay is there are quite a lot of companies which grow quite slowly at first but their real distinguishing characteristic is that you know once driven forever smitten as it were yes. okay you know they actually create converts rather than dabblers and you know occasional experimenters so i think i think in that respect you you have an absolute strength and i you know i think i think it's the thing we often fail to measure which is, uh, we can have a load, load of debates about this company and finances, but the fundamental question is, do people who use it, and that's both consumers and uh, both consumers who use it, do they use it again? And businesses who use it, do they keep using it and indeed drive more of their customers to use it? Exactly. And once you can answer those questions, actually, yeah, yeah. everything else is secondary. Yes. So you, you, you suffer from the fact that what you remove is, first of all, an assumed cost, which is just, well, the credit card companies have always taken X percent. Yeah. Uh, we just have to live with it. So that's becoming, it's a bit like pay-as-you-earn taxation. You know, you don't even get to see the money in the first place, so you're not aware of how much you're losing. Exactly. And the second one, of course, is a huge time cost. And it's very, very easy uh, to fail to notice that because you've just assumed that's just the cost of doing business. And both those things, in fact, can be removable at one stroke. Exactly. And particularly if you think about that in the current climate with the whole cost of living crisis, the squeeze on businesses from, you know, companies are just recovering from all of the COVID pandemic. They're now getting squeezed by the whole uh, macroeconomic climate. Um, how can you just 
you know, take some of that cost and stress out of a business immediately. And that's something that we can provide. But again, it's um, getting companies to understand that there is a solution, uh, to be aware that, you know, obviously there are lots of organisations who are looking at their payments, who recognise that there is something that can be done. But if you look at the, just in the UK, at the number of businesses, given that we've got just over 75,000, it's the tip of the iceberg. So it's really that inertia and getting companies to recognise that there is a better way to do things. I think that that is one of our biggest challenges. And so, so what are your what's your general growth pattern? You mentioned billions going through already. Yeah. Um, what is your growth rate? And also, what are your expansion plans geographically? I mean, bizarrely, Germany, if I'm right, kind of worked this way anyway, didn't it? Because so many Germans had a kind of absolute pathological horror of credit cards that um, if you bought a Ryanair flight on the German website, you'd effectively pay in a kind of go-cardless system. I think Holland might have been similar, actually. So Those are two countries which have a a weird credit card-a-phobia. So so the Netherlands has a system called Ideal, which is um, very much this kind of much more kind of bank payment system that, that was set up. The difference in Germany is direct debit was something that was very much um, available to businesses already. So um, that where in the UK, it wasn't accessible to all businesses. That was different in in Germany. But we do have a lot of customers in Germany because, again, it's all of those additional benefits that we provide above and beyond just kind of the payment mechanism, which makes it um, which makes it valuable from that point of view and looking at that kind of total cost of ownership. Um, But in terms of where we are as a business, so we have more than 75,000 businesses who use, I think it's about 80,000 today, who use GoCardless to collect their payments. Um, That The vast majority, that's predominantly UK, but we are growing internationally. So we have a presence um, in the US, in Australia, in France. Um, where we're kind of actively have kind of sales in those in those areas, but we yes. are there regulatory hurdles to be cleared for each market? Or yes, definitely. So in, presumably there are. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and it depends on the payment rails that we that you use. So in the UK, we use BACS um, for the direct debit payments and faster payments for open banking. Um, in the in Europe, it is SEPA, which we use. In the US, we use a system which is ACH. It's the ACH pool mechanism. And yes, you have to, you know, obviously we're a payments company. We sit within the flow of funds because funds flow into Go Cardless before we pay them out to the merchants. So we are very highly regulated and you have to make sure that we meet all of the regulatory requirements in each in each region within which we operate, but we enable payments across more than 30 countries. So a business can use Go. So if you were a business in the UK, but you have customers in Europe, you can use Go Cardless to collect those payments and you don't need to have a bank account in Europe because we partner in with- In the UK? Yes. We can, you can collect those payments and have them settled within your UK bank account because we've partnered with WISE to be able to do that FX transaction. Ah. So that's really... And that's the worldwide version. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that that's really important, particularly if you're a growing, scaling business. Um, you've got customers. So we have people, um, if I think of a good example, so DocuSign, for example, 
you know, the automated signing yep. documents online. They use us to collect payments um, across a number of countries. They're online subscriptions for businesses because they can they can use us to collect those from pay, you know payments across a number of of different geographies. Do you have magazine subscriptions as well? Or yes, we do. So media is a good example. So um, the Guardian, for example. So the Guardian uses Go Cardless to collect payments. So. Um, that's one of the newspaper subscriptions. But yes, media, again, where you've got those recurring payments is a really good kind of um, use case for using GoCardless and being able to, to collect those, particularly where they've got, you know, they ha- may have readership from other countries where they want to collect those payments and they, they can do that using the GoCardless system. Is it sometimes offered alongside a credit card option or is it, is, is it generally the only option? Um, it's... It, it, Depends. I would say for most companies, they want to provide choice to their customers. So they will offer a number of different um, different payment options. Then there are some businesses where they would um, see the benefit and want to kind of push the maximum of payments through GoCardless for a number of reasons. Um, but I think it depends on the merchant and the payment options that, that they want to offer. I think, you know, we've done some studies into payment preference and there is a lot of preference for um, for direct debit, for bank-to-bank payments. As you can imagine in the US, cards comes out pretty much on, on top because it's a big kind of credit card um, culture in, in the US. So that's something that for, for many things that's that's going to that's an interesting challenge for us to be able to position ourselves to say that for many many um different types of businesses that actually using the ACH pool mechanism or, or bank payments is just much more beneficial but obviously we have that culture that we have to um that we have to measure up against but i mean the uk had that culture to a degree not to the same extent as the us and you've clearly succeeded there yes so there's patently a patently a need for it interestingly what we find is that the the younger generations are um shunning credit cards much more for other forms of payment i know you had a uh, clana on your podcast recently talking about yeah. the whole pay, pay now um buy now pay later um, and obviously that has really taken off, I think, in the in the kind of um, the younger generations to use. Then they're favouring kind of much more different ways of um, of paying for things and not necessarily on credit cards. So you do see that generational shift in terms of, uh, in terms of the different types of payments as well. I, I, mean, I suppose one consideration is whether you offer a similar credit arrangement yourself because... I mean, I know, I know one of the, lo- the logic of Klarna to some extent is that you have a company that can effectively borrow money at 4.5% or 3.8%. Selling to people who can only buy on credit or would prefer to buy on credit, but have to pay 22.5% APR. So the argument is it's much more sensible for the company to borrow the money and effectively lend it to the consumer than it is to drive the consumer to a credit card solution. And so I suppose you must have contemplated that, that you could build in a kind of deferred payment, pay in three or similar models uh, into into what you offer. 
we don't we don't do that at the moment um it's not something that's on our roadmap but interestingly we do partner with some of the um buy now pay later providers who use go cardless to collect those payments so uh Klarna in the U- so Klarna uses go cardless for example uh particularly in the US um and we offer that we are one of the payment methods can, that can be used for buy now pay later but we don't offer that ourselves. How, how do you, which media channels do you favour? Um, I mean, do you use a mixture of kind of, obviously it's a face-to-face sale ultimately, I guess, is it? Um, n- not, it, it's, it's kind of both, not necessarily. So um, it's very easy to sign up for Go Cardless online. Um, and for a lot of business, it, it, it's just, it's about um, getting them onto the platform and so you don't necessarily need to have a face-to-face sales conversation to do that it's about getting people to sign up and and start collecting payments as you get into larger businesses who may be you know looking at rfps for payment systems they're going through a a bigger process then that's and also where they are looking to commit to a number of transactions and potentially looking at volume pricing etc obviously that's where you're going to a sales conversation. So it depends on the, but for smaller businesses, it's a straightforward get online either through, you know, your Zero, Sage, QuickBooks, et cetera. We have integrations there where it's about coming straight online to kind of use GoCardless or just sign up on our website and be able to start using the platform immediately. And possibly a third hurdle, which I suspect is often a, a psychological issue with people of a very logical financial mindset is they would tend to see offering more choice as a cost and would fail to notice the very, very positive effect it has on sales uplift. That I think two mistakes that, that, for example, a lot of online businesses make is they don't give you a wide enough choice of how to pay and they don't give you a wide enough choice of who delivers the goods. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, uh, we, you know, you have now paid us some money and we will now choose... Um, entirely to our own in our own interests, the person, the courier who will deliver this thing, and of course, each individual customer has couriers which, in their area, are brilliant, and couriers which, in their area, are terrible. There are many people who prefer things delivered by Royal Mail, but they're not allowed to request that. And so, the extent to which allowing people to buy the same thing in different ways doesn't cannibalize. It's it's actually much more incremental than most logical people think. Exactly. A very boring person, a very boring finance person would tend to go, what's the point in McDonald's opening a drive-through lane? All it means now is we're selling to the same people in two different ways. Actually, you know, I don't know what percentage, but probably 50% of the drive-through lane business uh, is or certainly 20 or 30 is incremental. Had there not been a drive-through lane, they wouldn't have bought anything at all. And I think... I think that's one of the widest mistakes, which is people what people focus on one optimal solution, failing to realise that actually a range of solutions from which the consumer can choose will always win, ultimately. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a it's a very very finance person's the fear of kind of you know effectively what they call cannibalisation is is I think an irrationally exaggerated fear. And I do, I agree with you. I think you know customer choice and customer preference is is what we should yeah. be looking at as well and people definitely have a preference for how they want to how they want to pay for things and i think it's about making that payment method as frictionless 
and easy and convenient as possible because that's what everybody's looking for these days. You know, I I received an invoice for something recently and it was kind of the bank details were in this very faint stamp on the paper invoice. And then, so once I had to obviously get my glasses on, could actually read it. And then I had to go up and, you know, and, and the invoice came in the post. It was like, really? You have my email address. Send yeah. me an email address with a pay link on it and I can just click it and, and literally have it done within um, five seconds. But it took me, you know, the, the time to be able to sit there and then do the manual bank transfer myself it's about making it as easy to pay as possible or you know or the other option i think was picking up the phone to them to give them my card details i'm you know that that's not what i want to do i want to do something really quick and easy and i think giving that choice to consumers is really uh, really really important particularly as I, I i don't know if you've noticed the thing but with sort of two-factor authentication and goodness knows what else the business of using a credit card online is now, you know, 70% more painful than it was a couple of years ago. Absol- uh, absolutely. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. SCA, the strong customer authentication, which I agree with in the principle of making the payments more secure, but it adds a whole ton of friction um, to that to that process. In fact, when it first came in, I remember trying to pay um, for car parking and I had to send off oh. for a one for a one time passcode, and it literally. For, fortunately, I had some um, some money in my purse, which I just don't have cash anymore these days. But I ended up just abandoning the online kind of payment, going to the and, and paying with the cash machine. The one time passcode turned up. I think it was about thirty minutes later. Yeah, you're standing in the rain. And there's no mobile reception. Yep. And you're supposed to park the damn car. Exactly. It's utter absurdity. I yes. agree. Yeah. yeah. Mobile. Don't even get into mobile car charging because that's a whole. Oh. That, that's also a whole interesting area for you to explore, by the way, because it's, uh, you know, it's widely terrible because. And I, I don't uh, don't get me on sim- the topic of electric car. Char- I I am uh, the proud electric car driver, but oh my goodness, yes. The pain of me too. Me having too. to yeah. have like every single different app in there if you go on a journey and then setting up all the payment details is horrific. Nicola, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Absolute pleasure. It's a joy. This is a fantastic business and I will be looking out to use your services as frequently as I can. I agree with you. I think it's actually a value, uh, enormous economic value to uh, smaller businesses in levelling the playing field. So, you've been listening to On Brand with Alf and Rory Sullivan. If you want to do business with Go Cardless or any financial brand, contact the Alf Insight team on their website, which is www.alfinsight.com. That's www.alfinsight.com. Uh, you can also find the link in the episode description. This series is produced and expertly edited by Ultimate Sound and Vision. And to make sure you receive the next episode, please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then tweak the algorithm a little bit by giving us a like. Thanks for listening and see you next time.